0: This series is actually concluding the series on Thanksgiving, um, and um, uh, it's been a kind of a journey looking at the biblical uh, concept of, of gratitude, which is thankfulness, and how it's connected with grace, and how that's connected with generosity and giving. Uh, and the, the goal for this series was really about uh, bringing a greater awareness and hopefully increasing the number of uh, people in our church that actively tithe that 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 get a a revelation of of the purpose of tithing which i talked on last week and if you missed that you know it's online you can even download the notes uh and get an understanding but also challenge uh people to consider giving in above that designated you know in the envelope that you can give or online or the kiosk you can designate money to alms and missions and I just uh, just want to put out that challenge. I'd like to see us as a church, as corporately, we each can do, many people support missionaries individually or, or give to the poor individually, but as a church, uh, 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 working together to do something bigger as a challenge in uh, 2014. Um, so this week we're going to look at uh, giving financially as an expression of worship, which is really uh a, a, a big part of what, um, uh, of this, uh, each one of the segments is is important. But, man, it says, understanding the, the worship aspect of financial giving and the scriptural basis for this, you can't get much bigger than this. We're going to start out with a Christmas story because it ties in perfectly. Matthew 2, uh, 1 through 11 is kind of long, but uh, we probably familiar with this. But let's just read through it and then talk about it a little bit. So that was a quote of one of the Old Testament prophets that indicated that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And then Herod, who had uh, secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully, and uh, uh, for the young child, when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. <laughs> which was not his real intention. And they figured that out. <clears throat> it says, And um, when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which had been in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and, and mirror. Alright, so that's a familiar Christmas story. It's the first record we have in Scripture, first recorded uh, example of anyone worshiping Jesus as Lord. And so, as I've said before, when you want to learn something, uh, you know, go to the first occurrence. Well, this is the first occurrence of someone acknowledging Jesus as Lord and worshiping Him. And so we can learn from this biblical example how we are to worship Jesus. What does worship uh, of Jesus looks like? It's fitting that the first people recorded uh, as worshiping Jesus are Gentiles. You know? Isn't that great? Because <laughs> uh, Jesus came not only as King of the Jews, but as King of kings, as Lord of lords. He came to rule over the whole earth, and His kingdom is going to be comprised out of every tongue and tribe of nation. And so the first people that worship Jesus as Lord are Gentiles. They bow down, and they're kings or wise men. They could have been uh, uh, rulers, kings. Um, But what did their worship look like? And this is what we want to uh, extract from this verse. And it's interesting that how they worshipped and how we have understood uh, over the last few weeks, koinonia, fellowship, actually look a lot of like. And we're going to compare that as we go through here. The first thing they did, when it says when they entered into the house, as soon as they saw the child, they fell down. And so they fell to the ground, <clears throat> and this is uh, a physical action. I mean, literally, they fell down, and I have to do it slowly because <laughs> I used to be able to do that so much quicker. Listen, young people, the knees, the knees are the thing, man. Take care of your knees. Alright? <clears throat> so, yeah, you're getting back up sometimes, the hardest part. But, here, are these these old men—they probably were older men. They, but they 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 participated. They got they they did something with their body, okay? They bowed down. Um, there we go. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so worship uh, throughout scriptures, throughout the Bible, involves our entire bodies. Really does. Uh, it's not just a state of mind. It's not just agreeing to write doctrine or having an emotional experience. Worship throughout Scripture is physical, as well as those other aspects. And it's a big theme that we're going to be talking about today. In fact, these men, who were wise men from the East, probably didn't have all of their doctrine right. You know, really. I mean, they were not Jews. They were not Hebrews. We don't know much about them, but we know that they were, you know, if you'd studied their doctrine, they probably were but you know what? They did know who, and that's the most important part. They knew who to worship, and they knew how to worship. And God gives it as a template for how to worship Jesus Christ uh, for us to follow. <clears throat> so the second phrase, so that it says they they bowed down and worshipped him. Well, it's interesting that those words actually mean to prostrate oneself, which means to lie down. So they they fell down and fell down if you took it literally, all right? Now, it could mean that they they fell down and probably literally meant that they went to their knees and then they prostrated themselves, which is still a practice amongst uh, many in the the Middle East, both uh, Muslim and Orthodox Christians uh, uh, practice that type of prayer where they go to their knees and then they go all the way down to the floor. And so it's a form of worship. But the word also means that they express, it was an expression of, of reverence and adoration so combined with the physical act uh they were um uh which was acted out bodily they had this second uh, aspect to it of it, to it, which was a heartfelt reverence and adoration and so that is similar or in the same category as the uh, what we learned about koinonia uh and having intimacy And that it's heartfelt. There's a there's a union of heart. Your emotions, your soul is connected. So if you just have bodily action without, you know, your soul and your emotions being connected, that's not fully worship, is it? But if that's so, if you're just going through the motions, no, that's you know, you just go to church, put a coin in the bucket, and light a candle, and walk out, and nothing's really changing your life. We we know that that's not fully true but the opposite is also true that maybe you have heart you can feel you sense God but you don't do any of the motions that's not fully biblical right? and this is a point that I think we need to learn uh, that there, it actually includes both bodily action as well as intimacy <clears throat> and then the third aspect is that they opened up their treasures and they presented gifts to him gold frankincense and Muir, um, so worship includes the giving of things of value, and uh, in this, their day and still in our day, gold is still extremely valuable. Uh, I don't have much of it, do you? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's about it, right there. <laughs> I don't know how much gold is really in that. It looks gold. <laughs> uh, but they gave things of, of great value, and some some historian and scholars. Uh, believe that, uh, this, this may have been substantial, alright, uh, amount of gold, frankincense, and muir, because they were welcoming what they believed to be the new king, uh, and, and these were rulers. And so this is, this is more in the area of, you know, historical, uh, myth, if you want. We don't know for sure, but some people believe that though Jesus was born, Almost in a homeless state, in a manger, which was actually a cave, uh, by the way. <clears throat> uh, the mangers were almost always caved. Um, and was very poor at the time of his birth. This could have changed their whole lifestyle. Because they were given these, these treasures. And to me, that just is another aspect of how Jesus' life can touch people in every lifestyle. So if you're homeless, you can relate to Jesus. If you're from a rich family, you can relate to Jesus, uh, uh, it really applies. But the point that we're seeing is that <clears throat> their worship was expressed through material action, through contribution, which again is part of uh, koinonia. They expressed it bodily, they expressed it with their heart, and they expressed it by giving uh, a, uh, this large and significant uh, donation. Of course, the Christmas tradition of giving gifts to children is partly based on this story, and I think that's a great idea. You know, all the kids still like it, right? <laughs> of course, uh, some people can get distracted and get caught up in materialism materialism um, and lose the real meaning of Christmas, but it's, it, it can be a wonderful demonstration of the greatest gift that has ever been given the gift that god gave when he sent, sent his son as savior to the world so when you give gifts keep that in mind if you have opportunity you know bring it up you know the reason we do gift giving at christmas is because god gave the greatest gift of all uh, which is uh, jesus his son and or when you receive gifts um uh, it, it ties it together so that was the first um uh, depiction of worshiping jesus and i believe a template for us to understand how we are to worship in the New Testament, and it includes all three of those aspects. Now we're going to look at a couple of other scriptures uh, uh, that gives us additional information about worship, uh, biblical worship. This is from the Old Covenant, uh, and it was uh, from Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is actually a record uh, of Moses' sermons. It was either one very long or probably a compilation of a number of of, uh, talks that Moses gave to the children of Israel. And in this verse, it says, Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. He's talking about what life's going to look like once you get into the promised land. And remember, Moses never made it into the promised land, but he was preparing them. So this is what is going to happen so God's going to choose a place three times a year everyone needs to show up there the feast of unleavened bread uh the feast of weeks and the feast of tabernacles and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed wow don't come empty-handed every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God which he has given you so we're going to talk a little bit about that Right from the beginning, not only this reference in the Old Testament, uh, but all the way back to Genesis, offerings were part of biblical worship. Cain and Abel brought offerings to the Lord, didn't they? One was acceptable, one wasn't. All right, And so we see right from the beginning of, of the biblical record that giving material objects, sacrifices, gifts was an integral aspect of relating with the Creator. And part of this is it connects our spirituality, our spiritual experiences, with the fact that we are worshiping the Creator, okay, with the creation. And so it ties the creation and the Creator together. It's kind of an important sub-point. We're going to get to it a little bit more later on worship is actually derived from the word worth and so uh, the idea of worship includes the very word itself is is about value and of course how we value God our offerings as we give in offerings are to demonstrate the worthiness that we ascribe to God in the same way that our words are to express how we uh, we believe that god is worthy and so we sing songs that say that he's worthy but when we give gifts or give offerings it's demonstrating that with something that's tangible something that's in the real world you know uh put your money where your mouth is to get it right down to in the <laughs> where the rubber meets the road right okay Every man, uh, God, it says in God's Word, every, per- every man had to come three times a year to these three great celebrations and they were not allowed to come. They shall not appear to the Lord empty-handed. So there was a requirement. Worship involved bringing sacrifices, bringing offerings. And, uh, and it defines worship as this two-way interaction between God and men. I really like the, the word transaction because we understand that word. Uh, transaction. We make transactions every day. You know, now we do most of our transactions online. You know, but you pick something and then you pick which account the money's gonna come out of and then they send you that box, right? <laughs> you used to have to drive to the store. Uh, someday we're gonna be t- 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 talking to our grandkids going, yeah, there used to be big buildings that you used to walk into and you could actually touch things. And now they're gonna go, no, grandpa, that's silly. <laughs> Why would they build big buildings? You don't know. So anyway, just joking. <laughs> Wouldn't that be weird? You know. So, so just click on Amazon, and it just comes out of the air and drops on on your front porch. <laughs> yeah, I know they actually got them. <laughs> Welcome to the future. All right, got sidetracked there. Sorry. Uh, so there's a transaction. We understand the idea of transaction and worship. It's actually, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Man receives a blessing, <clears throat> God's blessing in worship and his presence and gives an, his offering and his adoration. Alright? And uh, the same, uh, and then and the flip side works where, um, God receives the offering and the worship and gives his blessing. And it's the same transaction that we saw between Abraham and Melchizedek. That Abraham gave a tithe and received a blessing from uh, the Savior. And, and again, the world, you could say, well, that's just the way the world works, but actually, the world works that way, because God uses that to teach us something about the spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. Right? The reason the world works that way <clears throat> is because that's how God created, it, and that's how relationships work. And our ultimate destiny is to be in relationship. What God really wants this whole creation to point us to is how to interact with the Creator God. And so it's very important that the creation be part of the interaction with the Creator God. It kind of ties it all together. And so that brings meaning, actually, greater meaning and importance and significance to how you spend your money. Because it's actually connected to how you re- react with God. And then, then we're getting really into the big picture idea of it. So, <clears throat> uh, um continues to say in Deuteronomy, every man shall give as he is able. And so there's, uh, according to the blessing of the Lord. So there's that idea of proportionate giving. Uh, different people are blessed. There's just, let's face it, some people have a lot more than other people. and Some people have actually, ha- almost nothing. But the, the command was, everyone needs to bring something. All right? Uh, and that the promise is, as you give proportionally with that willing heart and the right uh, attitude, God promises to give exponentially in return. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> that's a good promise. How many want an exponential return? right you know if the bank guaranteed exponential return we'd all invest there but they actually on the bottom they say you know past performance is not indicative of future uh you know results in other words <laughs> you're at it's all at risk <laughs> you know? well god is something you can count on and one thing that you can invest money god doesn't necessarily give you money in return there's blessing i believe there is a direct connection between financial uh, prosperity and giving, but God blesses in many ways. So, remember, it's not really about money. It's about worship. It's about communion. Another story uh, from the Old Testament <clears throat> from Second Samuel 24. Uh, uh, and this is, again, as I've said, God communicates truth in the context of story. And, uh, uh, and so, this, what's happening here is there's a plague and a bunch of the Israelites are dying because they had done some uh wrong thing and and the king needed to respond to this and so he knew he had to had to offer a sacrifice and he went out to the to where the plague was happening and he wanted to buy the land (coughs) to offer the sacrifice but the landowner this guy aruna we'll call him said no uh uh you can just have it and the king said to aruna no but i will buy it from you for a price I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. Right. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered a burnt offering and peace offerings. And so the Lord responded. The Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. And so what we see here from David who is really... A person more than anyone that defines what biblical worship, uh, is throughout scripture. He wrote most of the Psalms. Uh, we see into David's heart. And we see that David knew that he would, you know, it's not worship if it doesn't cost me something. He almost, to me when I read this, it almost sounds like he was almost offended. Like, man, don't you understand? You can't just give me that land. I need to buy it. Uh, and he bought it. <clears throat> he would not, he refused it. And the money was no big deal. It was not about money. Alright? David knew that it had to demonstrate, uh, in order to be genuine, it had to demonstrate, uh, uh value. And I will not offer burnt offering to the Lord. That doesn't cost me. So there has to be some cost involved in order for it to be genuine offering. Um, <clears throat> he had a conviction that worship had to be substantial. Alright? It had to cost something. There had to be substance. Substance to it. Alright? When we worship the Lord, but separate that worship from everything that has material value in our life, we're actually diminishing the place of God in our life. So this is what some people do, and I think is, 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 is just completely not only prevalent, Most Christians actually believe this is the right way to do it. (laughs) Is that they take their relationship with God and everything that has to do with worship especially and separate it into this different sphere of their existence, their experience, their life, or whatever, from all of the mundane stuff like work and paychecks and buying stuff. Alright? And think, well, this is worship up here and this is all, this is my secular life. And the reality, the biblical reality, is: Hey, no, you cannot disconnect those. In fact, disconnecting those leads to uh, uh, very serious problems. All right, leads to sin. It is a result of sin. It's 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 fracturing and fragmenting your life. Um, And and part of the whole worship. um, the way worship is, is taught throughout scripture actually teaches us that these things are to be unified uh because we are to worship God with our whole being. Kind of getting ahead of myself, but contemporary worship that reduces it to merely an expression of intellectual assent, okay, and or emotional experience, lacks the biblical element of worship that ties our mental and emotional experiences to the real world of giving something. Alright? So I'm kinda trying to slay two sacred cows here at once. <clears throat> okay? The one sacred cow is the people that think that, boy, if you just have, if you just agree to the right things, worship is having right doctrine. You know? Uh, and if everything is right, all your ducks in a row, then you're acceptable before God and, you know, you, you really love God and da-da-da-da. You know? <clears throat> and then you have, The people that say, oh man, what worship is, is when I feel God, and when I get into a room, man, the worship band's going, and this is really more of what, you know, our stream leans toward, Uh, and I love it. There's nothing wrong with having right doctrine. We need right doctrine. There's nothing wrong with having a powerful worship emotional experience, all right? All right. If you walk in a room and a, you know, if you go to a conference or, or maybe even just on your own or by yourself and you have this great emotional experience and you say, oh, well, that's worship. The truth is, that's only a part of worship. That's one aspect of worship. Right? And you can't separate and say, oh, that emotional experience, that is an encounter with God. You know? And I, I don't, I'm, I'm not into learning the Bible stuff and memorizing scripture, you know. That's legalistic. That's no. You have to know scripture and truth, and that'll enhance your worship and your and your emotional experience will enhance your understanding. But there's a third element. Okay? And that third element is creation. Alright? It's material goods. It's the fact that, you know what? This gets into the fact that the you know the God has given us his Holy Spirit. Right? Where does the Holy Spirit abide? In our bodies. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, all right. And so uh, 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 it's the connection of the spiritual and the material, which is so significant in the Christ- Christian story in that Jesus Christ, and significant in, in in the celebration of His birth that we're in Christmas time. That we're actually connecting it with the creation. We're giving something of value, and so by taking offerings and giving. Of your finances, it's, it's, it's sanctifying all the time that you put into work to earn that money. It's sanctifying everything that you use your money for. Because you're, you're using it to worship along with your emotions, along with your intellect. And you can't uh, separate it and fragment it and say that part of it doesn't matter. Uh, what you do is you lose out of the benefits of the whole of what God calls you uh, to enter into because God calls us to to be in, to worship him with our whole being, and a big part of you is physical <laughs> if you don 't believe that look in the mirror <laughs> all right does that make sense all right so thinking worship should or even could be purely mere, mystical or spiritual a spiritual experience uh, uh, and separate from uh, tangible offerings is really based on a Greek idea of dualism and and the thought that um, uh, this idea world or spiritual world is good and the physical world is bad, and that's just not true because God is the Creator and God said it was good. All right? Uh, and then this whole Gnostic heresy, which you can talk about and read a lot of books about, it influenced the church in the, in the early years. And, and, and it still lingers to this day and there's a constant struggle between um Understanding uh, how to live in, this, in the creation and worship the Creator with our intellect, with our emotions, and with our stuff with our beings, <clears throat> so biblical worship is incarnational. What, what I mean by that is that god 's presence and worth experience and expressed by real people and real things okay the incarnation is so significant. Actually, everything and how God relates to the world is incarnational, and that's one of the big uh, the significant um unique characteristics of Christianity from other religions is that it's not a religion where uh you know a man aspired to become like God. It's a, it's our faith is that God humbled himself and became man, all right? So that man could live in right relationship not so that man could be God, but so that man could be right in right relationship with his Creator. All right, and so <clears throat> the give, I'm tying the giving of money to this huge tight truth uh, of worship, <clears throat> and we do this. It's expressed uh, through our offerings. This is one aspect of it. Worship should include the expressions of God's worth in our lives, and it should be demonstrated by the offerings we give, however big or however little. Um, uh, so that's kind of like the big idea. Uh, and the application of this is a couple of things. One, from David we learned that it had to cost something. So there had to be worth and value to it. <clears throat> and then from the example of um, the uh, uh, wise men that came and worshipped Jesus, and from what we learned about Koinonia, it includes physical action, heart action, and material action. And so I would ask you to ponder how can you demonstrate worship physically, with your physical activity this week. You know? And for some of us it may be bowing down. That bowing is a powerful, especially when you're alone, you sit time, you bow before the Lord. Uh maybe maybe lifting your hands, you know, if you've never done that, first time you do it, you know, it's always a you know, little, <laughs> you know, it's a powerful powerful thing, you know, uh, to lift your hands. It's, it's an act of worship and adoration. There's so many things that can be communicated. You know, so much of our communication, interpersonal communication, you know, somebody can spout out some statistic, but it's like 70, 80 percent, of probably 90 percent of what we communicate is through body language, right? Gosh, maybe that has some connection with our relationship with God. What do you think? Yeah, it does. So how we participate. So how can you worship God with your body? Uh, how can you worship God with your emotions? How could there be emotional cost? How are you investing your emotions into your relationship with God and expressing that? All right. Um, and then material. How are you tangibly demonstrating something in the real world? Something three-dimensional. Something... Of creation, all right, something you've produced, or something that symbolizes what you've produced, and that's what money is—is a—is a representation of our produce, all right. <clears throat> How can you do that uh, during the week? And I pray. Uh, in fact, let's pray right now, Father. We come to you as your creations, and we want to worship you uh, with our whole heart, our mind, and our body, Lord. I pray that you would open up our Understanding and Father, I don't realize people are in different places financially, and people are struggling financially. And I want each person uh, to experience worship in in the fullness of what you call us to. And so I, I just pray that you an impartation of grace to be able to do that. Whether they give a dime or a thousand dollars doesn't matter. It's that they're interacting with you with their whole being. And we thank you for the opportunity that you've called us. to to interact with you in these ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.